This is Brother John Metter. I greet you in the precious and holy name of Jesus. And I pray everyone's enjoying the goodness and the blessings of God. And I am going to uh, go right ahead and get into the word that I believe God has laid on my heart for today because I know our time is short. And the end of the broadcast will be what seems to be be here in like a matter of minutes. But for several years now, and I, I don't remember how long, but I know for several years I've been telling people that there is coming a move of God that is going to go beyond what the Lord done at the day of Pentecost. And the reason I say that is because of what Haggai spoke, and I believe it was in the second chapter of the book of Haggai, when he talked about the glory of the latter house being greater than that of the former. And what Haggai was talking about was how that when Solomon brought the Ark of Covenant into uh, the temple, how the glory of the Lord came down and how the smoke and the fire come down on the altars. And and I believe it says, and the power of God was so great that the priest could not even minister in the temple. And it's here in uh, Haggai chapter 2 and verse 6. He says, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, Yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. You know, we've seen God shake the earth. We've seen God shake the sea. We've seen God shake the land, but I don't know that we've ever had an experience where God shook the heavens. And I don't know exactly how he's going to do this, except he says in the Gospels that all the power of the heavens shall be shaken. And he goes on in verse 7 of uh, Habakkuk, I mean Haggai 2, verse 7, it says that I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. Well, Haggai didn't know at that time that he was speaking that our bodies are the temples or the house of God. Then he goes on in verse 8 saying, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Well, we never in history have anything recorded how that the glory of the Lord filled the actual literal temple of God any greater than it did in Solomon's day. So the glory of the Lord that filled Solomon's temple, the glory of the Lord that came down and filled the temple in Solomon's day, the prophets were talking about that it will be in our day that the glory of the Lord will be greater It will be greater, children, than, and I'm looking for a scripture, it will be later, greater than what God put in the temple. 
And the Lord is wanting us to believe. He's wanting us to know and understand that we are in the day of a visitation. We're in the day of a great visitation of the Spirit of God. And God is moving by the power of His Spirit uh, and starting to bring a restoration. You know, I've been telling people that there is a move of God that's going to go beyond Pentecost. And here just the last couple of years, the Lord has been telling me that He's doing a new thing, that there is a great visitation of the Spirit of God coming in and God is going to do something beyond, something new, something that our eyes have not seen and our ears have not heard, neither has it entered in the heart of man. And I will tell you this, that if God moves and does something greater than Pentecost, it will be something that our eyes have not seen and our ears have not heard, and neither has entered into the heart of man because we have never had what they had at Pentecost. And I keep telling people the scripture speaks of a restitution. It speaks of a restoring of all things. If you go to the book of Acts in chapter 3 and you begin at verse 19. And it says this, and Peter was preaching. He said, repent ye therefore and be converted. That means to be changed, to let the Spirit of God change you, convert you, bring you out of the life you've lived. It's like repentance. People talk about repentance, and the repentance means to turn from. So many people repent of things, but they never turn from. If you're going to truly repent, you cannot stand before uh, God or stand before a preacher and quote a salvation prayer or a repeat after me prayer. The Bible plainly says godly sorrow worketh repentance. And if the Spirit of God did not uh, come in to your heart and smite you and convict you of that that you've done wrong and fill your heart, with a spirit of repentance through godly sorrow, that you are truly sorry for the things that you have done, then you have not repented. I don't care what you recited. I don't care how old you were when you said it. I don't care that you were baptized at 7, 8, 9, or 10. It doesn't matter if it wasn't godly sorrow that worked that repentance and you did not because God smote your heart heart fall down on your knees, then I would have questions about your salvation, and I stand fully upon the Word. I stand fully upon the Word of God that says godly sorrow worketh repentance, because I've seen people do these things, and I've seen them turn back and go right back into sin a couple of weeks later, a month later, three weeks later, living under the assumption that no matter what they do, that they are saved. I, no matter what they do, that they now belong to God. I, and God is not going to let them die lost. I had somebody tell me one time, I, when I first got saved, and I was talking to them I, about this, because I didn't understand what people were saying. I, when they were out committing a life of sin and not ungodliness and living worldly and unclean and committing adultery and fornication, I, and they were 
would tell me, oh, I'm saved. I talk to God every day. The Bible tells us that the only sins are forgiven are past sins that are repented of. And the blood of Jesus has been applied to our lives. And I've had people tell me, well, I'm saved. I said, how are you living these lives of sin, committing fornication and adultery and going out in the places of the world? The things the very Bible speaks against and the Lord tells us to come out of these things and repent and be baptized. And it says in the book of Mark, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he believeth not shall be damned. And they tell me, well, I believe. I said, you can't believe and be living ungodly and unholy. I said, somewhere your sins will find you out. Oh, no, God saved me. And I got baptized back when I was 9 or 10 or 11 or 12 years old. I I said the only thing God forgive uh, was sins that you had already committed, sins that are unrepented of. Uh, you will meet them uh, on the day of judgment. Uh, you will meet those sins, uh, and you cannot confess that you are saved uh, and be living ungodly and unholy. And the only thing that brings true uh, salvation and repentance uh, is the Spirit of the Lord smite your heart uh, and work in godly sorrow. And when godly sorrow comes into your soul, it brings a broken and a contrite spirit. And God said in His Word, my face is toward them who have a broken and a contrite spirit. It's not just saying words. It is a heart that has been smitten by the hand of God and conviction has come. And the Spirit of God is reproved. Sin and you have come before the Lord uh, with your heart smitten in a contrite spirit uh, and you are broken and tearful and repentant uh, in your heart you have got to have uh, that spirit of contrite. You have got to have that broken uh, and contrite spirit and the spirit of the Lord uh, working repentance in you uh, before you can come to God and repent and truly uh, be saved. Uh, I don't have no idea why I got off on that, but I know uh, the spirit of the Lord uh, is beginning to tear up doctrines and traditions of men. uh, And what I was saying uh, as I talked to a, a person about this way back in the 70s uh, when I'd come to the Lord and God uh, had changed my life and uh, convicted me of things that I used to do uh, and I was talking to people that I used to go with and be out in the world with and uh, I was talking with them and telling them what God had changed me and how he was working in my life and how uh, I quit doing the things that I used to do and uh, setting things before my eyes that were ungodly and unclean and unholy and how God was changing my spirit and my soul and I was praying and studying the word and they would just look at me dumbfounded. Well, you don't have to do all that was their answer. You don't have to pray and read that Bible and study like that. Said, I'm saved. I said, really, when did you get saved? Oh, back when I was 10 years old or 12 years old. I repented and made a confession to the Lord and got baptized. But the Spirit of God did not come in. It did not bring conviction. 
You can say what you want to. The Spirit of Christ does not come in just because you're baptized in water. The Scripture does not bear it out. It does not bear it out. It does not bear it out. Because in the book of Acts, the 10th chapter, when the house of Cornelius never heard the name of Jesus, didn't know who he was, did not know who Cornelius was, did not, and the house of Cornelius did not know who Jesus was. They had no knowledge of Jesus. But Cornelius, the Bible said, was a devout man. He was a devout man. He loved God. And he was a man of prayer. He was a man of fasting. He was a man that sought God. Let me get over to it. I know it's in Acts 10. Verse 1, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of a man called the Italian man. Cornelius was a Roman. He was a Gentile. But yet it says he was a devout man and one that feared God with all his house which gave much alms to people and prayed to God always. Here was a Gentile that had found out there was a true and a living God. Here was a Gentile that did not know about Jesus Christ. He may have heard about the baptism of John. I don't know. It doesn't really say. But it says in verse 3, He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming in unto him. And saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thy alms. Your alms is your giving. Your prayers and your giving can move God. You can touch God through praying and giving alms. And he said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thy alms are come up, or your good deeds are giving. You're sacrificing or come up as a memorial before God. Now send unto Joppa. Here was a Gentile that the angel of the Lord had appeared to him because his heart was toward God and he was devout. He prayed. He sought God. He was looking for truth. He wasn't caught in religion. He wasn't caught in a form of godliness where he went through the motions. But his soul, his very soul, how long has it been since your soul has cried out to the Lord in prayer? Not words. Not not just a repetitive prayer. Not just something. You've got the habit of praying but coming aside into your prayer chamber and calling on the name of the Lord in the very soul that is in you. You feel your soul reaching. You feel your soul thirsting. You feel your soul hungry and you feel your very soul crying out for God to work something and do something in you. This man did not know Jesus. He did not know the gospel of salvation. But yet he was a devout man and done great things for the people and gave to God and prayed always. There was a deep desire down in his soul to know God in a realm, in a passion, in a place. He just knew there had to be something more. His soul kept telling him. Are you one of these people that your soul keeps telling you there's more, there's more, there's more, there's got to be more. There's got to be more to God. There's got to be more to God than what I'm seeing. There's got to be more to God than what's happening. There's got to be more. 
There is more. There's a God that will come in by His Spirit. And He will live in you. He will take His abode in you. And you can walk in His presence and in His glory and in His will. Seven days a week, not on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You can feel the presence of Almighty God every day. You can bask in the glory of His Word and His anointing and His Spirit moving in your life as you submit yourself to Him. I've never seen a world so confessing Jesus and so far from Him. It's what He said in His Word. He said, you confess me with your lips, but you deny me with your heart. We tell God we love Him, but our days are spent in our pleasures, in our desires, in our hungers for things of this world, in our efforts to gain material things. Our efforts are spent in satisfying the desires of our flesh, satisfying what we want to do in life in very few times. Do we give ourselves over to prayer and seeking God and wanting His will, wanting His mind, wanting His word, wanting His spirit and people want Quote the scripture, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. That's in Philippians 2 and 5. Or when you go to Philippians 2 and 6, we found out what the mind that was in Christ Jesus was. It says, for he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. The mind of Christ was to possess what his father had, was to come into that realm and that place in the very fullness of the father dwelt in him. You can say it did, but I don't believe it because the scripture talks about him being made perfect in the things which he suffered. He was not a man perfected in the sight of God. And that word perfection means complete. It means brought forth in the fullness of God's will. But the Bible says he was perfected. He was made perfect through the things which he suffered. I believe he was a man. I believe he received a measure and an earnest of the Holy Ghost just as we do. But he had to grow. He had to grow. The Bible says in the first chapter of Luke, I believe, it is or might be the second chapter said that the child grew and went strong in spirit. He grew. He grew. Uh, he grew in natural stature. He grew in spiritual stature. Uh, he grew in wisdom and knowledge of man. He grew in wisdom and knowledge of God. Uh, and great grace was upon him. Uh, and he found favor with God and man. He found favor. He found favor. It's time for us to turn back to seeking God. It's time for us to turn back to seeking the Lord and come to that place. And it goes on and says, And when he looked on him, he was afraid. And he said, What is it, Lord? And he said, Thy prayers and the alms are come up from a memorial before God. Now in verse 5, he said, Now send to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And when the angel was speaking, Cornelius was departed. He called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. And it says, On the morrow as they went on their journey and drew nigh to the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. So Peter got up there in prayer. God took him in a trance. And in the trance, he took him into a vision. Where are these things happening in the church today? Where are these things happening? 
in the realm of the Spirit today. You don't hear of people having visions. But yet we all the time talk about Joel 2.28, how he said it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh, upon your sons and your daughters. I shall pour out of my Spirit and they shall prophesy. Your young men shall dream dreams and your old men. I'm sorry. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Nobody is recording that. Seeing visions. Nobody is recording having dreams that God has given. Oh, you can get some off the wall being dreams, but I'm telling you, God is speaking by dreams and by visions trying to turn the people back to Him. But they're not hearing His Word. They're not hearing what is working in the Spirit. Nobody is seeking to come alive and come forth and the working of the Spirit of God and what God is doing in the earth. And if we're not careful, we are going to let this time of visitation get biased because God gave Peter. He took him into a trance and in that trance he saw a vision and God told him what was happening. And in verse 17 it says, Now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision was which he had seen should mean, and it didn't just happen once in verse 16. It says this was done twice, thrice, three times. God spoke to Peter. Behold, the men which were sent for Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And he called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there. And while Peter spake on these things, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Where does the Spirit speak like this? Churches are teaching that God don't do this now. Why not? There's nowhere in the Scripture that it ever quit. They said that the days of the apostles and the prophets, that's hogwash. There's nothing in the Scripture to say that these things don't happen, these offices. My God, how can you take the very foundation of the church and do away with it? On the day of Pentecost when God poured out His Spirit, he poured it out on 120 men and women. This was not the lay body of the church. The church did not come into being until later that day where Peter had baptized 3,000. Those that received the Holy Ghost in that upper room, they were the working body of the church. They were the administrations, the offices, the gifts, the helps, the governments. If you read 1 Corinthians 12, read that whole chapter. Paul lays out how the concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, he would not have us to be ignorant. He lays it out about the working of the gifts, about the operations, the different gifts, the differences in administrations. The administrations are your apostles, your prophets, your evangelists, your pastors, your teachers, those that work in the church. In 1 Corinthians twelve twenty-eight, he lays it down. For God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, gifts of healings, helps governments and diversities of tongues all these 120 received of the Holy Ghost. It was not just tongues. My God, how long is it going to take for the church to get past the Holy Ghost? Just being tongues, the church is the spirit of the resurrected Christ coming and taking its abode in you and gifting you and anointing you and growing you into mature men and women of God that the saints can be brought to mature 
maturity. Ephesians 4 and 11 and 12. For he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the maturing, for the completing. The word says for the perfecting. The perfecting is the maturing. It is the completing of the saints for the work of the ministry. The ministry cannot work unless all five ministries are there. For the edifying, the strengthening, the teaching, the erecting, the building up of the body of Christ. How long is it going to take us to get past these simple doctrines and these things that people... It it so grieves my spirit to hear people argue on water baptism and argue about how to do it and argue about the Holy Ghost and... Do you not understand and do you not read your scripture in Hebrews the 6th chapter? When Paul said, Let us therefore leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ. Let me get over there to it. See, Paul talked in Ephesians the 5th chapter. He said, When the time has come that you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again. What be the very principles? What be the very basics? Let me see if I can get over. I believe it's around verse 12. I'm headed there. Y'all hang with me. For when the time had come, y'all to be teachers. You have need to one teach you again, which be the first principles. Your first principles are your basics. They're what you do to get saved. They're what you do to stay saved. They're what you do to live holy. These are your first principles of the oracles of God and become such that have need of milk and not of strong meat. Paul said after you've served God for years, you're still on the suck bottle. You're still in confusion. You're still in bitterness and envy and strife and division. He said in 1 Corinthians 3 when he said, Brother, I desire to speak unto you as unto spiritual. He said, But I cannot because your carnal and walk is men. He said, As long as there is among you division, Envy and strife, and one says, I'm of Apollos, one says, I'm of Paul, one says, I'm of this one or that one. He said, are you not carnal and walk as men? We've got to get out of this carnality. We've got to quit this arguing. We've got to get back to seeking God. We've got to get back to praying and dedication. You know, uh, I do have a Facebook account. Some of you can contact us on Facebook at a man sent from God. If you want to go to our Facebook account, but somebody posted the other day, how many of you want to see prayer back in school? I answered, I would rather see the spirit of prayer back in the homes and families praying together. I would rather see prayer come back to the home. I grew up with a family that prayed together. I grew up with a spirit of prayer in the home. I grew up with healings, deliverance, and miracles in the home. Today, the homes of Christians are filled with carnality. They're filled with perversion and evil of the stuff that comes in on the radio, the CDs of music, the things that come in over the television and on the computer, the perversion and evil, the spirit of prayer is no longer in the home and we are going back to prayer. We're going back to seeking God. We're going back to turning. You ain't going to get the schools turned around till you get the home turned around. The reason our nation is a mess is the home's out of order. We've got to get the home back in order. There's got to be a turning back to God. There's got to be a waking. There's got to be a stirring. There's got to be a moving of the Holy Ghost.
to bring us back in line with God's Word and God's Spirit where He formed the church on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts. This is Brother Better. I see our time's gone, and I just want to say to you, I thank you for listening. I appreciate you. I may have covered a lot of ground today, but I want you to know that God is on the move. Now, if you want to contact us, uh, you can go to our website, mansentfromgod.org. That's M-A-N-S-E-N-T-F-R-O-M-G-O-D, mansentfromgod.org. There's a mailing address there. There's email there. Uh, there's a way to donate by PayPal or debit card. Or you can write to us. That address is on there too. But write to me at Man Sent from, I mean, I'm sorry, write to me at World Revivals, P.O. Box 1618, Conyers, C-O-N-Y-E-R-S, Georgia 30012. And thank you for listening, and we'll see you again at the same time next week. May God bless.